Welcome back to Rusted Junk, the 80s movies podcast. Do you find yourself wanting to put on a corked hat, fight crocodiles in the outback and then move to New York? How about befriending an alien by dressing him up as a ghost on Halloween? If so, this is the podcast for you. If you remember searching for that perfect film from Blockbuster, and if you grew up in the UK, waiting for that one VHS copy to be turned to the newsagents, then welcome. We'll have fond memories waiting for you. I'm Charlie, and the rest of the Rusted Junk team are Amanda... Joe, and Dom. Hello! And the film we're looking at this time is the 1987 film Wall Street, starring Michael Douglas, Charlie Sheen, Daryl Hannah, Martin Sheen, lots, lots of people which we'll get to. Not all the Sheens. No, no, Mr. Sheen. Sheen. (laughs) Very good. Our international listeners going, who? Um, Anything from the America, Joe? Any Sheen that we've left out? No. No? Okay. No, Estevez. <laughs> well, yeah. The, the Estevez connection. Um, so, this is my film. Um, yeah, I picked it because uh, it's fond memories for me. I've got a good story about it. I will go last when we, and I will tell that, that, that very story. Um, but yeah, so uh, what did we think of it? Who, who wants to go asking? first? I don't know who wants to go first. Maybe I should tell people what it's about. Uh, I haven't written anything down, but I can do this off the top of my head. Sure. So, Charlie Sheen is Bud Fox. He's a stockbroker that has dreams of being, dreams of making it big. Uh, and he's very enthusiastic and he's very committed. And every day that he works, he rings up Gordon Gecko's office, hoping to get an audience with him. Uh, one day, uh, because he makes a special journey uh, and gets to meet him in person, Gordon Gecko tries him out and then takes him on as a protege. Unfortunately, uh, taking him down some pretty dark paths for for him, um, setting him up with various people. And because he can set it up, he can bring it all crashing down. And then he tries to set Bud up. And unfortunately, uh, Bud sees through this, thankfully, because of one character, which I know and love. Thank you. Thank you, James Spader. Uh, because of that, well, yeah, Joe, you may you may nod. You may, you know, say say, say otherwise. But no, that's what happened. Uh, and yes, he plays Gordon Gecko. Michael Douglas is his own game. And there's the film. Um, I think that's pretty much sums it up in a sort of not prepared for it in kind of way. But this time, instead of going down or that way, I'm going to go Joe. Ooh. All right. Diagonally. Diagonally. <laughs> so it's weird. that This is one of the few movies that, I, that really re- changed my life forever. Ooh. It really did because I went into, I went to St. John's University. I majored in accounting and I think Wall Street came out. Was it? 87 87 yeah yep yeah and so that was i was a, a junior in college at that point and again it changed my life and so many other people's lives after they saw that movie because we all wanted to be bud fox you know we won't all wanted to have that lifestyle we wanted to have those nice suits we wanted to have those condos or apartments that he was living in we wanted to ride in, in jet planes you know we just wanted and we wanted the money and there was such a huge surge in people 
getting into finance and Wall Street and becoming traders just because of this movie. And, and that's what I recall. And another thing that I recall is years later, Oliver Stone was so pissed off by it because yes. he felt that everyone got the message wrong, that the whole message was that greed is not good. Yeah. It's that it's corruptible and it ends up destroying you. And, um, and he was just so annoyed because it created a fashion on Wall Street. I went around and, and I did work in the Wall Street area, not necessarily as a trader at first, but um, I wore the same clothes that Bud Fox and Gordon Gecko wore. I wore suspenders that introduced suspenders to Wall Street. Now they had them like, you know, decades ago, but now everybody's wearing suspenders. Bra 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 braces. Braces. We call them, we call them braces. Suspenders yeah, well, you guys. Oh, suspenders and stockings here. are what you? we, yeah. You're not wearing <laughs> suspenders and stockings, are you, Joe? You? That's a different thing entirely. No, you guys are wrong. That's all I can say. This is because braces are things that go on your teeth. What do you call the things that go on your teeth? Braces. Braces. So you, so you call them braces and you call suspenders braces. Yes. Yeah. No. Pair, Joe. What do you pairs call suspenders then? What are suspenders? That hold your stockings up. They're like I don't them. have stockings that I need to get hold up. No, but ladies. You must have encountered them in your it's in the your lingerie. Yeah. I don't know garter holders. Garter <laughs> holders. Garter holders. <laughs> I don't know, but answers, I wouldn't call them suspenders. On a postcard, please, listeners. Maybe it's great you chucked us out the Boston Tea Party. That's you know, because otherwise you would have just had a name for it. Of you know, it's funny. I wanted to bring this up. The one thing that people, for me, somebody that wore suspenders for years and years and years, I hated wearing belts after wearing suspenders because it's so free, you know? It's like really nice wearing suspenders. The negative effect on wearing suspenders is that it pulls up on you and your, and your balls go through the bottom of it and you always had <laughs> holes in your pants, you know? <laughs> You've always got a half wedgie going on, haven't you? With uh, yeah, exactly braces. Yeah, God. yeah. is that I the wear that. and tear? You just like yeah, rub is it? And I'd have to go to like uh, the cleaners or uh, the tailors and say, "Can you fix the the holes where my balls are?" <laughs> you know, it's like, and he goes, "Oh, sure, sure, very easy. I could do it." You know, and they would sew it, and it's like, I, I, you know, but that was a negative effect. Anyway. It's a, you know, I could just imagine somebody fast forwarded on Spotify and just getting to the point where I love suspenders. They make me make me feel so free. <laughs> <laughs> was, was that was that a Russian was that a Russian tailor that you you deal with there, Joe? I wasn't quite sure of the accent. Um, I thought I we could he, just alienate our listeners. It wasn't Frank, cheese. was it? It wasn't Frank. Frank. Frank has nothing to do with suspenders <laughs> repair. Did he listen to your call? <laughs> did he? Did he? Did he measure you inappropriately, Joe? <laughs> No. <laughs> sorry, anyway, yeah, back sorry. To... I've got to ask. I've got to... This is probably very inappropriate. <laughs> it might get cut, but is that a common occurrence for guys, or is it only for particular guys that? Oh, well, they're all very well endowed. Endowed in that department that get the wear and tear in that area. No, oh, because you have to realize too. It not only went through that it went through you you know i mean your underwear was involved too so it's just like dom had said it gave you a really big wedgie and you didn't really realize it but it looks like you've been wedged every day that the friction was causing the the fabric to burn burn through 
Yeah, you're not I wearing mean, polyester trousers, though, are you? When you when you've got your suspenders on, you know these are, these are primo woolen suits that Joe's on. But you, know, you can't wear yeah, polyester on Wall Street, hey? Yeah, they they cost a lot, you know. And it's like, damn, I got another whole, you know. Like anyway, can you tell me what you think of the film? You know, the brief <laughs> the brief uh, introduction. I mean, we could talk about Taylor's okay. and whatever, but yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I, I love the film. I, I think it's incredible. I haven't seen it in such a long time. It, it's aged a little bit just due to the technology because it kind of looks funny just to see them using computers with just like uh, green screens. And we're so much more advanced that it's just so easy to, to trade now than it was back then. Um, but I, I think everything is so good in this. Um, and, it, and again, it reminds me a lot of my days in New York. I thought, I you know Michael Douglas was amazing. Did he uh, did he get the Oscar for Best Actor or Best, best actor. actor? Yeah, yeah. See now, I I would consider him supporting, wouldn't you? Oof, no. Goodness no. Well, no. Uh, Charlie Sheen would be the main actor mm. in this. Anyway, I don't know. I mean, I'm probably I'm wrong. But anyway, I he was fantastic. I, I'm so glad that he got the Oscar. I. Mm. I almost gave my rating. I forgot we don't do it anymore Ooh, until later. Close, let, uh, let, let, let me just ship it on Oscars because, you know, I do like to shoehorn these in. So there's a bit more of a natural flow here. But it, it, this, it was a pretty weak year for Oscars. Best actor, I think, 1988. So Michael Douglas won it for Wall Street. The other contenders or nominees were William Hurt for Broadcast News, Marcelo Mastroianni for Dark Eyes, Jack Nicholson for Ironweed, a lesser Nicholson film, and God help us all, Robin Williams for Good Morning Vietnam. So oh, for me, yeah, that is weak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a home run for Douglas to win. So that's oh, um, definitely yeah, great performance and deserved Oscar win, I think. Oh, but on that on that Oscar thing, I know we're drifting all over the place, but this is the only film to win a Best Actor at the Oscars and a Razzie. It's the only film that has won it in the same year that's won an Oscar. The Razzie was best worst supporting actress for Daryl Hannah. Well, who really deserved. Yeah. Who who will who will get to? But the studio went all in on broadcast news for marketing and hype and, and, and all that sort of stuff. And broadcast news got seven nominations and Wall Street only got one. Broadcast news didn't win anything and Wall Street won, it, won its only nomination, which is Michael mm-hmm. Douglas. Sorry to and steal it, your Oscar thunder there. But, no. uh, and I know like we talked recently about all these great directors like Scorsese and De Palma and... Uh, What's my favorite guy? Again, I'm getting a brain thing. Uh, Kubrick. You got to add Oliver Stone in the mix. You too. have to, yes. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Okay. Well, there's a, there's a strong opening. Uh, Tom, I'm just wondering if my new souped up uh, technology, where listeners can actually hear me these days, can actually pick up my intake of breath when we're when Oliver Stone's being put in the same category as some of those other directors. But, you know, we'll, we'll get to that, perhaps. We'll get to that. Um, not sure, personally, he's got the same rich stable of hits and classics that some of those other has, but uh, but we'll see. But this, for me, is a, it is a highlight of Oliver Stone's career. Um, I haven't got any life-changing anecdotes like Joe has to about this movie. As per most of the films we watch, I was too young first time around to, to watch it and appreciate it. So I would have watched it sometime in the 90s. I did have a bit of a Oliver Stone thing going on. I think after Platoon, I, I chased down quite a few of his films to, to consume those. And perhaps uh, Wall Street was when I first saw that. But my kind of 
intro to, to this, my, my thoughts were, it's been a while since I've um, been surprised as much on a rewatch as I was with Wall Street. So I, I haven't misremembered a film as much as I have done for, with this one for, for a long time. Um, and after a run of kind of solid six and a half, seven scores, um, I'm not going to give my score, no spoilers uh, yet, but uh, with Fatal Attraction and Risky Business, I was looking forward to uh, sitting down, smoking an illegally sourced Cuban cigar and getting <laughs> my big boy 10 out of 10 paddle out. And, you know, without spoiling things, my 10 out of 10 paddleboard has stayed firmly in my pocket. That is a paddleboard viewers on YouTube. I'm not just pleased to see you, but um, yeah, I, uh, I'm i right. just going to leave this intro. I'm just going to tee up Amanda, whoever's going next, Amanda. with a little bombshell to, to ignite the debate. And, and that's to say, this film should have been called Gecko, not Wall Street, because there's one brilliant performance in this film and some less than stellar other supporting performances. <laughs> Battle lines have been drawn. Right. Amanda, toodle pip. Right. I'm not so, saying toodle pip, by the way. I'm saying Yeah, sorry. you're not saying bye, yeah. yeah. Bye. <laughs> right. So, mm. we watched this film over three nights. I'm glad we did. Um... The first night was about, I think it was about 40 minutes each night, wasn't it? Something like yeah, that. something like that. Oh, God, I couldn't have watched it all in one go. I was so bored the first 40 minutes. Second 40 minutes, it got a bit better. But the third 40 minutes was was a lot better. That was, <laughs> although, the scene, the scene where his dad's like, obviously had, was it another heart attack? Hmm. Uh, and he turned up to to kind of be by his bedside, and he was starting to cry. I actually burst out laughing. Sorry, did. <laughs> I just thought. So I don't know if it was the frame of mind. I was really looking forward to watching this film because I thought, oh, Wall Street. I've not actually seen that movie. I've not seen. I've seen bits of it. Again, it's the classic. Oh, I've seen mm. bits of that. Never watched it the whole way through. So. I wasn't looking forward to the fact that Daryl Hannah was in it because I don't rate her as an actress anyway. Um, And yeah, I I was looking forward to it, but I was really disappointed. It didn't do anything for me, I'm afraid. Wow. Well, I'm glad I chose it for you, sweetheart. But, you know, (laughs) at least we did watch it in in bits. I I looked around in the second bit and expected to find her going, Mm. Just, just and I'm like, this is Spinal Tap all over again. You're not yes. enjoying this. I, yeah. I don't think you should be allowed to watch it in bits. By the way, just uh, you know, I, my, I in my opinion, you I might, you might as well do it otherwise. Was it my well choice? And I think um, we owe it to our listeners to sit there, darkened room, in stony silence. Focus well, I would have been film. asleep then. I'm, I'm curious. So, is she going to dislike this more than Popeye? Popeye. Oh, you've just given it away. Oh, he did? Okay. Right. Okay. Well, there's the best kept secret just uh, out the hat now. That's that's the film that Joe is going to make us watch. I've no idea what you're talking about. Oh, good. Yeah. That's fine. That's Let's why you on. didn't have to say anything. I knew she didn't know. No. Yeah, but Dom did. Dom, yeah, Dom, okay. isn't, isn't Popeye Robin Williams? Yeah. Joe. Oh, well. I don't know if Charles has got the bleeper ready, so I'll just reserve my opinion. But oh my goodness me! Yes. Okay. We'll fly over. We'll fly a contingent. We'll all come over to see you, Joe, but not to shake your hand. 
<laughs> Throw tins of spinach at you, maybe. I don't know. Again. No. Well, we talked about it. It's my re- maybe. Did we talk about it on my podcast? That's why we talked about it on your podcast. That's yeah. why I thought we already said Popeye. All right, it's my revenge. You know, sorry, you guys are victims. For of- all of us, the worst. Yes. of Robin Williams films. Do you know how bad that is? Wowzers. Right. Ooh, thanks. Well, <laughs> anyway, my opinion. Right. Uh, memories of where I first saw it. Um, I'd said to Dad, Mum and Dad used to go away, as as we talked about in the last podcast. <laughs> they used to go away. And they used to watch films on the plane. So most famously, the worst film he's ever seen on the plane, he said, I came back and I saw that What About Bob? And it starred that fell out of Ghostbusters what? and Richard Dreyfus. It was the worst, most annoying film I've ever seen. And I was like, oh, I've got to go and see it. Because Dad is no barometer of whether a film's good or not. <laughs> However, when he came back, I said, did you... I, I was I was genuinely interested for this film because it's in the trailer at cinema. And I went, Dad, did you watch Wall Street on, on there? He went, yeah, I did. Yeah, didn't like it. Bit rubbish, really. I went, oh, really? Then I went to see it. I hadn't much of a clue. It says putting on his other light. Sorry, that's better. I hadn't got a clue what was going on for quite a lot of the film because I was 15. But I can't remember if I saw it before or after Fatal Attraction, but obviously it was the same year. And I was just I was just visually impressed by how it looked, how it, how it's directed. I could pick that up. Uh, Michael Douglas was just everything for me gordon the character gordon gecko was just yes who who you'd want who i wanted to be and yeah i was too young in order to get the fact that he is the bad guy in this but um it's it's another seminal film with and it seems to be michael douglas that tripped over not tripped over but got into all of them fatal attraction disclosure basic instinct wall street these are the types of films that people still remember and talk about Maybe not disclosure as much, but it's still relevant. Um, I I love this film. I, I can it's it's a bit like Ferris Bueller for me in the way that I can probably know most of the, most of the lines that are coming. I I like the John C. McGinley character uh, as his friend. I love some of his lines. I find myself using the lines, you know, so much because they 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 were ingrained when I watched it for the first time. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with the. Uh, the gentleman on this podcast uh, and disagree disagree with Amanda. I just think this is a it's a it's a film that resonates. It's a film that still you can watch today. Again, dated technology, but yeah. But by the by the way, I'd I'd love to see disclosure mate remained in the office environment in twenty twenty three because he, he smiles right in the coffee queue and that's it. He's immediately sacked on the spot for, uh, for predatory behaviour. The film would last three minutes. <laughs> Including the credits. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Disclosure. Um, I, I love that film. But when we start doing 90s podcasts, yeah, we'll get to that at some point. Um, okay, should we have a look at the trailer? Okay, yeah. Trailer? Yep. Yeah. Okay, right. Here's the trailer. From the director of Platoon. Wall Street. The stock is plummeting. When it hits 18, buy it all. 
Something big is going down. I want to know where he goes and what he sees. I want you, pal, to fill out the missing picture. Mr. Gecko, that's not exactly what I do. Well, you can trade your honor. I can lose my license. That's inside information. For power. If you're not inside, you are outside. I know what this guy's all about. Greed. There is no nobility in poverty anymore, Dad. Greed is good. Greed works. What makes you tick, bud? The fear of being poor. That's all gonna change. Cause I'm catching the express. All right, Mr. Gecko, you got me. Trade your peace of mind. What's in it for moi? More money than you ever dreamed of. Just the beginning, pal. If any trouble does arise, you are on your own. The trail does stop with you. For a piece of the action. The richest 1% of this country owns half our country's wealth, $5 trillion. All it takes is a little inside information. I don't care where or how you get it. I think you owe me. And you can trade everything you believe in. He's using you, kid. You're too blind to see it. For everything you've ever wanted. Uh, I got a strange call from the SEC. They asked to see my records. This is heavy, bud. I don't know where you get your information, son, but I don't like it. Michael Douglas. Why do you need to wreck this company? Because it's wreckable, all right? Charlie Sheen. When does it all end, huh? How many yachts can you water ski behind? How much is enough? Daryl Hannah. You may find out one day that when you've had money and lost it, it's much worse than never having had it at all. Martin Sheen. What I see is a jealous old machinist who can't stand the fact that his son's become more successful than he has. You see, he's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his what? An Oliver Stone film, Wall Street. I like that trailer. Why does anyone want to pick out why I like that trailer so much? Because it's long. Mm, well, no, it tells you a lot. And about it tells the film. you most of the film. Because mm. there's loads of James Spader in it. Ugh. And it, and and it's not it, it's not proportionate. Wait, to wait a minute, J- James Spader's in this movie? <laughs> Very good. Very funny. No, I'm serious. Are you serious? Yeah. He played the lawyer. Did he? I wondered why you scowled when I said that, oh, James Spader's responsible for, for the end. It's because, spoiler alert, it takes Bud into the into the meeting, which well, never that's just it. I, I say this over and over, Charlie. No one really knows who James Spader is over here. Apart from the Blacklist, uh, probably the biggest show on on Well, US, maybe they do US now. TV. Oh, yeah, but they do. They know it, so they look back as Ultron. Uh, well, I know Ultron. I, I have to, sorry, I, I need to adjust my internet really quick okay i'll be right back all right okay i think joe's running because of it doesn't it's uh it's got too much it's gonna have too much to say for roll call um while he's away dom did i have i spoiled part of your oscar bant that you had ready <clears throat> no I, i've come to terms with the fact that it's never going to be a winning feature you know i've been looking for my own spin-off podcast uh, entitled oscar balance but it just doesn't seem to be happening for me so you know I, i'll continue to flog this dead horse for a while yet but um no i think um love your little oscar bounce yeah oh, well amanda there's been no theme tune developed charlie's not commissioned oh. his indian subcontractor five quid to, to produce one for me um yeah i know it's dark days when we rebooted the format i thought hey, here we go it's my moment but Oh, you know what? I think you should do oh, that. Thank you. Yeah. Oscar Bantz. 
Let's okay. have a quick vote uh, while Joe isn't here. Votes for? Yeah, I think. Yeah, well, no, I'd vote for it. I'll I'll get my um, contractor from the subcontinent on it, and let's <laughs> see if we can get you something there. Yeah. Or we could just make one ourselves. Oh no, let's get something <laughs> done. While we're here, should we update roll call and trivia time? Or do you think that they're all right? Where has Joe actually gone? Uh, he said he's got to sort his internet out. But has he gone out on the street or something? He's going to fix it at the cabinet. Is, is this is this golden content being left in or not? Because if it is, it I won't is. go get another can of cider. Okay, well, well listeners, you got my well, you know, <laughs> divided attention. Yeah, go on. Do you I, need I, some I... more tramp juice. Do. Go, and get, go and get some. While, go on, go and go and go get on. some quickly. This is the. Quick. This is why back, people. He's back, he's back, this no. is why people love this podcast. Is because look, we're just natural. We don't. <laughs> we don't, we don't, ed, we don't edit. Well, well, we very rarely edit. I just take out the, the bits at the start where I get get it wrong. More often than not, even though I uh, I leave most of them in anyway. Don't. Right, well, if, if, if viewers if viewers notice me shaking later on in the pod, it's because I only have two cans of my cider, so that's uh, that's on Charlie. Uh, I don't mind you getting up when somebody's when somebody's going to talk. That's fine. It's only the people on YouTube, and they don't mind. They're, yeah. they're lovely people on YouTube. So yeah, go for it when you I see when you see the four, right break. Four viewers on YouTube, anyway, haven't we? Oh, we've got loads. We've got 60, 66 now. Sixty six. Tickety click. Oh, actually, no, there's more than that. We had um, over 300 um, at one point. So, yeah, we're getting there. We're at building one it. point? Yeah, at one point. It's come back down, though. We're They've building realized it. we're rubbish. <laughs> no, I think it's ge- genuine. It's because of the films we pick. Some of them go over 300, and some of them go around sort of 60 and so on. So it's genuinely. And sometimes you can never predict it. On our audio podcast, there's loads more that listen on audio. Yeah. So if you listen on audio, we do love you. You're wonderful people. You're lovely. But you can't tell me that that Lesson Zero is cold in the third spot in our entire repertoire of podcasts. No, stop, ber- stop berating the customers. You can't like that. No, no, no. I, 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 we, we loved it. We loved uh-huh. we, we thought it was a great film. It was wonderful. But Lesson Zero it's is an obscure that film. That yeah, it is. Be at the top. That's what we're trying to say. Not I that... think it's Robert Downey Jr. who does listen to this podcast. Don't forget that. Do you think? Because he listens to this podcast. I think he's. God, I hope he does. Uh, well, oh, look I at that. I love you, Robert Downey Jr. He, he'd be encouraging me to get another can of cider. That's for, that's for sure. Well, he he's sober. Don't well, worry. These when... days. Yeah. <laughs> is, yeah. is, is he now? Um, okay, yeah, he here's roll call. Here we go. Roll call. Right, so we're not doing Michael Douglas because we did Michael Douglas and Fatal Attraction. If you want to go and listen to what we said, I think we went off topic so many times on it that, fine. Uh, Romancing Stone, loads of stuff. We're not doing him. Right. Charlie Sheen. Do we talk about, do we talk, right, do we talk generally about Charlie Sheen? And do we talk about the films at the same time? Because I think we probably need to get it out, get it out there, because he is mired in controversy. Is he? Yes. Why? I don't He's know. A crackhead. <laughs> well, he was. Nice way to say it. Well, he, he was, still though. is. He still is. Is, is that for real or is that rumours? No, that's true. They want us to be legally charged with anything. Well, I won't. <laughs> Hearsay is. No, he's allegedly. Uh, he's, He's done a lot of drugs. He's been very promiscuous. He's had AIDS. Uh, 
He's just not a very nice guy. Regardless of what kind of transformation he may have had, I don't think he's a very nice guy. I like his movies. I think I always felt he would have made an excellent Peter Parker Spider-Man when they were casting back then. And, um, you know, he's a good looking guy, but he has gone through the mill. And a lot of it has got to do with alcohol, drugs, uh, sex, just you name it. I mean, again, I don't even want to mention some of the things that I heard because it's like almost X-rated. It's libelous as well. Shh. Tell us afterwards. Yeah, I haven't got It's me that I have to pay. So don't, don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, I did see the the famous uh, interview uh, on it uh, in 2011 on ABC, which is where he had the interview and where the, you know, the winning and all that sort of stuff comes from. Um, Some of his choice lines, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to say, he gets asked, are you bipolar? And he says, am I what? My bipolar? What? What's that? I don't even know what that means. If if that's like taking medicine where your brain goes, uh, like that. No, I, I'm not taking anything like that. I'm by winning. And you're like, what? He talks about Sean Penn and Mel Gibson showing him a lot of love. And she says, well, what, what advice and guidance did they give you? None, he says. But sometimes that's the best type of love is not to tell you what to do. And you're like, and she goes, are you high at the, at the moment? No, 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 no. He says, but you've got to understand me. I have one speed. Go. And so animated on this interview. And the best bit, I think he said, he said, Sinatra, Jagger and Keith Richards. I've done so much in my life that I make them look like droopy eyed children. <laughs> and I'm like, if you can make Keith Richards look like a droopy eyed child. Then I'm like, fair play to you. Keith Richards is preserved on drugs and alcohol, isn't he? Well, it's the old Dennis Leary line. Um, When Keith appeared on um, uh, Say No to Drugs on MTV. (laughs) We can't do do any any drugs, Keith, because you already did them all. So, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's crazy because I never watched the show, but Two and a Half Men was very popular over here. I like that. It's good. He was like the highest paid actor, I I think, uh, during that reign he was making tons of money but he destroyed his whole life by doing drugs and it's just insane that you could be making all that money and just throw it all away because you're stubborn and you think that you can handle everything you know you can handle your drug problem your alcohol problem Mm. your sex addiction you know don't tell me what to do he's one of those actors again that thinks he's above everybody else and that he can make his own decisions and that uh, it's you know just stay out of my business it's not gonna shouldn't affect my my wealth or, or what i deserve to be paid and it came to bite him in the ass uh, he hasn't really done much since then that's the problem with drugs they're so moorish isn't it eh? yeah and, and i i that's something that i wanted to get into i guess later on and you know just my you know not that i did it but i'm just kind of like say how stockbrokers and drugs have gotten and you know how oh, they i'm mix. sure we'll get to yeah oh it's the lifestyle isn't it yeah 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 work hard play hard kind of thing but i don't want to ruin the uh roll call so well no i mean i mean charlie sheen i mean i i didn't know i forgot or didn't know or, or both um that he was on he was in red dawn wolverines yeah um but he started as Ferris as 
guy in the police station. That's how he's put down in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Guy in police station. But his first role? His first, well, yeah, because I'd forgotten all about Red Dawn. I don't even think he classed that. But Who's think- in that movie, Lucas? With uh, Corey, uh, who's the Haim. other Corey? Haim Feldman. Corey Haim. Right. Okay. Yeah, less said about him, the better. Although he will come up at some point because we'll do License to Drive. But not this season, everyone. Don't worry. Um, and what does he say? What's his first line in, in Ferris Bueller? Amanda. First thing he says. Drugs? Excuse me, I don't do that. No, are you in here for drugs? When he's talking to Jennifer Grey. And oh, you're like, yeah. yeah. He got that. He got that look because he stayed up for two days solid. And that's why he looks all bleary-eyed and, and everything. He probably was doing it then, wasn't he? He may be, absolutely. Well, how do you stay up for two days unless you have some... Uh, extracurricular help should we say but um, it, it annoys me because again like i was talking about tom cruise and risky business the guy was born so good looking he's another one charlie sheen he was born with looks like he could have written his own ticket for anything and he just kind of threw it away like Emilio estevez he didn't get that blessing you gotta admit that charlie he just looks like a plain everyday joe schmo Emilio Estevez is his brother. True, yeah. Yeah, yeah, true. Why have they got different surnames? Because Martin Sheen's name, is it Ramon Estevez? I know his last name. Yeah, his real name is Estevez, Martin Sheen. It's a weird story. What's his dad's name? What's that? What's his dad's name? Well, his, his, like Charlie was saying, his dad's last name is Estevez. And when when Charlie Sheen got into acting, instead of taking his real name, he took his father's fake name, Sheen, you know, Charlie Sheen. But when Emilio Estevez got into acting, he took his real name. Yeah. Hmm. So they're all Estevez's in reality. Oh, okay. Well, we will get to the brothers uh, appearing in the same film. But then after Ferris, we get Platoon. Uh, of which he's outstanding in Platoon. Outstanding. Uh, Wall Street, then he d- goes into Young Guns, uh, a film I like with Michael Bean and Bill Paxton, Navy Seals. By all means, check it out. If you've nothing else to watch on a Sunday afternoon and it's raining outside, watch Navy Seals. Um, then he stars with his brother in the very underrated Men at Work, um, where they play garbage... Well, what do you call them over there? Garbage dustbin. No, just dustman, garbage men, garbage men, right? Or garbage people, or whatever. If we're going to be no. garbage people, <laughs> women <laughs> weren't doing garbage that. people. It's a bit derogatory. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to be inclusive. Um, <laughs> and then he stars in load. Then he he stars in Loaded Weapon One with his brother again. Fires his own franchise for Hot Shots with the Zucker Brothers, Hot Shots One and Two. Replaces Michael J. Fox in Spin City. Is in Wall Street 2. Is in Two and a Half Men. And then in a, uh, a series called Anger Management. And you're like... Talk about starting high and then... And I know you say he was the highest rated, you know, paid actor on TV. But really, in terms of quality, it kind of goes like that. It kind of goes slightly <clears throat> down, doesn't it? He's got a ton uh, of money, think, though. Oh, well... Yeah. That, that, that decline in his movie quality, which I do admit, is offset by the rise in his TV 
career. I don't, I don't think it just wasn't as popular over in this country. But um, you know, to be the highest paid TV actor in a you know, era when there was a lot of money sloshing around is is mm. pretty well done, isn't it? And Two and a Half Men was a well, Joe, you, you put me right here. Was a pretty big hit in America, wasn't it? It was. I mean, I never watched it, but it was a very big hit. Right. It, it's interesting. Again, I, I think he had a lot of money. You guys have heard of Planet Hollywood, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stallone, um, Bruce Willis, Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I think the original one was in, was in Manhattan, uh, Midtown Manhattan. And I went there a couple of times and he had a, like a whole room dedicated to him, Charlie Sheen. But it was all of his baseball memorabilia. Like he collected a ton of baseball memorabilia. Because oh, of Major League and things like that. I guess he is a big baseball fan, but, you know, worth millions of dollars, like Babe Ruth stuff and, um, you know, Mickey Mantle. Very impressive collection that he has. Hmm. But but you list his films there, Charlie, but to be a bit provocative, let me just say this. Platoon is his only great role, I think. Um, he's, he's appeared in other good films, Wall Street, which we'll discuss properly, of course. You know, a, a, an iconic character and and a, and a big film but i would say platoon is his career highlight uh artistically performance wise and, and nothing else comes that close i would say really oh i don't know hot shots 2 was all right well i wouldn't yeah. say it hot comes shots close no i, I would say the thing that comes close to platoon is wall street yes absolutely well yeah and and we we will get to that probably in the scores or maybe maybe as we talk but um <clears throat> in Hot Shots Part Deux, by the way, you you do you remember he's in that scene with his dad? Yeah, yeah, where they pass each other on the boats. Don, do you know this one? Do you remember that? Bring it, bring it to life for me. So he's he's doing a journal dressed as Rambo because he's trying to be the Rambo character, and suddenly his dad comes in writing a journal as well. And he gets up and he hears and he sees this other boat coming towards. As the boat comes, they both stand up, look at each other like that, and go, "Ah, oh, I loved you in Wall Street." They both said the same thing as yeah. the boats pass. Very good. Um, roll call. Let's keep. Let's keep going. Tamara Ta- Tamara Tony, who played Carolyn. Um, who? The receptionist at Jackson Steinem. I don't um, think any of us are expecting her to come up next. No, no, but the reason, <laughs> yeah, the reason why, the reason why, I know because it's a very small role. Because you fancied her. No, because she played Sissy Houston no. in, the re- in the recent Whitney Houston biopic. But when I'm looking at that, I'm going, well, that's not the reason I'd include her. She starred in 1,308 episodes of As the World Turns. Who? That's well, a soap opera. That's not a big deal. That's 1,308 episodes. Not a big deal. Well, it's every day. I mean, they air it every day. It's like one year is 365 episodes, almost. Well, maybe is that not. the world turns, Joe? 300 episodes. So she's probably been on there for a good 10 years, and she may have started off young. I don't think it's a big deal, to be honest with you. Okay. All right. Uh, his buddy, John C. McGinley. You must hate Daryl Hannah. Oh, we'll get I to her. I haven't even mentioned her. Well, we'll get to her. Okay. <laughs> she's she's on the list somewhere. Yeah. Uh John C. McGinley's mate. He looks familiar. I just uh, can't recall. Oh my goodness. What do you mean he looks familiar? Who did right. who was he? Uh, he's the guy that hey buddy buddy. The guy that's like the guy with the glasses. Oh sat he's next mate to at him. work. Yeah. Four o'clock of a dinosaur. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I recognise him from somewhere. He's had like bit parts, hasn't he? Well, he stars in a film that I really like, and if called Sweet Liberty, which would mean nothing to anybody. But no. the roll call on that is Michael Caine, Alan Alda, Michelle Pfeiffer, um, Hal Holbrook, who's in this film as well, and John C. McGinley plays a very small character. He then turns up in Platoon. He then becomes an Oliver Stone favourite. He comes up with Talk, Talk Radio. He's in Born on the Fourth of July. He's the uh, chief in uh, Point Break. Uh, most famously, meme-wise on the internet, he's uh, from Office Space, which is a wonderful, wonderful film. Hmm. Um, and of course, how many episodes of Scrubs did he do? But yeah, he was in Scrubs. How many movies did he star in? Uh, I just picked out the best ones. There are quite a few. But those aren't starring roles, though. No, no it's, I mean... It's a character actor, isn't it? It's yeah. A supporting actress. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. why we really don't know him. Yeah, and and to be fair, you've got... I mean, moving on, if you go to Hal Holbrook, who's the guy that goes, man looks into the abyss, sees nothing staring back. The wise old guy at the, at the first. Oh, at the end. White hair. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's Father Malone from The Fog. For you horror fans, because it would instantly recognise who he is. Stars with Michael Douglas in the Star Chamber. We talked about that when we talked about Fatal Attraction. Star Chamber is a great film. He was in Capricorn One. He played the informant Deep Throat in All the President's Men with Robert Redford. He was in Magnum Force with Clint Eastwood. He was in The Firm with Tom Cruise. He was in Under Siege. No, not that one. In a different film. And I'm kind of like looking and then if you want somebody to be either the sage old guy or the sage old um, villain Hal Holbrook's pretty good Old, mm. Oldest man to ever receive a Best Supporting Actor nomination 82 that, See, Oscar Bats, Oscar Bats. Is that, is that <laughs> what? what did you receive it for? <laughs> um, Into the Wild which is a 2007 Sean Penn film which uh, oh, okay. I'll be totally honest I can't remember I was going to say, <laughs> but didn't that be Wall Street? <laughs> <laughs> no, but but the, he lost out that year to Javier Bardem for No Country for Old Men, which is a, a oh, film and a half, just, I think. Just, yeah, it is. That's 10 plus. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll agree. Uh, Martin Sheen. Come on, somebody's got... In fact, Amanda. Mm? Martin Sheen. Which you, one is he? He's the dad. <laughs> yes. Okay. What about him? Well, I do, <laughs> do you want to give me something that he's been in? No. I I would start off with Wall Street. God. <laughs> Can we not go for the obvious, President Bartlett in the West Wing? I mean, oh, oh, I, yeah. I can't believe we've got how many minutes since this pod are we now? Uh, 50 oh, minutes few. before 50, the West Wing's surfaced. Yeah. yeah. I knew it was floating under the surface like a... Well, yeah, like a, well, the West Wing surface. is one of the best TV series Never ever, seen it. Ever. Really? Well, you watch You've it. never seen it? It is brilliant. Do you know what? Charles made me watch it when we first started going out together. Oh, yeah. What year did that start? Oh, 17 what? years ago. Oh, did she start oh, watching when it we start- or, or when West Wing started? Yeah, I was going to say. West Wing was late 90s. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sort of 97 to 2004, I think, something like that. Um, Martin Sheen, Apocalypse Now, Gandhi, The Dead Zone. The Dead Zone, he's so good in that with Christopher Walken, where he plays a bad guy. Firestarter, 
again, another Stephen King, the narrator in JFK, the American in the American President, where Michael Douglas is the American President, and he's that, and I think the the performance that he gives an American President in 1995 was the catalyst to him getting the role of President Bartlett in The West Wing. Oh. Uh, Hot Shots 2, Joe, you're going to love one that's coming up. Uh, Spawn, he was in Spawn. I, 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 the only thing I remember him being in is Apocalypse Now. Oh, so what about The Amazing Spider-Man? Where he plays oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's Uncle, Uncle Ben. ben. Yeah. Uncle Ben. Uh, he starred in Anger Management with Charlie Sheen. Uh, and very recently, he's done four series of a, a show that I haven't watched called Grace and Frankie. So that's uh, Lily Tomlin, I think, and Jane Fonda. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I I, I like him. I, he was great in Apocalypse. Now he he was pretty good in this one. Ooh. He does look a lot like Charlie Sheen. They do look like father and son. That's yeah. why I think oh, Emilio Estevez was so. adopted. Um, you don't think so? I think, no, I think um, Emilio looks more like his dad. You think so? Mm. Okay. Yeah, Charlie his mother looks, looks like, like the milkman's. The milkman, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's get to it. Finally, it's here, Dom. Okay, rest easy. Daryl Hannah. Awesome. Rubbish. Rubbish. She's... She cannot act. She cannot act her way Is out of a true? paper bag. That is not true. That's right. Act. There's no there's no redeeming features about well, there is redeeming features. She looks she looks quite attractive. She doesn't. No, she's I found Glenn Close. She's got a man's type of face. So, you know, right. She was she's great in Splash. Territory, but, hmm. She was great in Splash. I love that movie. I, I thought she she I, she was convincing as a mermaid. What do you want me to tell you? you not dim. <laughs> well, fish out of water. What? Yeah, no exactly. Acting, fish out of water. Ugh. Wet, bedraggled. Yeah, basically describes everything. Damp. Blade Runner, she was good as like a prostitute in Blade Runner. Uh, mm. Replicant. Yeah. yeah. Kill, Kill yeah, Bill, whatever. I'm with the Kill Bill fan club here. Um, no. that, Bill, yes. Tosh, but Didn't think much that. of her in that. No, she's the weakest thing in that. And I no, know because I've just, seen, I've just seen it this week. So, yeah. yeah you guys are just say. haters. I mean, she may have had some bad roles and some bad uh, movies. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 Joe. Twi- just turn that around. Tell me a good role, and you can't say Splash again. <laughs> and I can't say Blade Runner. That, you, what that 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 showcased her acting did it. And I can't say Kill Bill either. No, because she's awful in that. And if you um, da- if you dare bring up Roxanne, <laughs> seriously, I'd have to. Just well, she was perfect in Roxanne because she was awful in Roxanne, but she was attractive, and the character was supposed to be attractive. Yes, she was. She's. She, I she think. Was, I think Daryl Hannah. But that's not the bar, Joe. Isn't she missing some fingers? Is she? Huh? I think she is. Yeah. <laughs> is this coming? Has this got something to do with the? No, I'm pretty sure she's 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 missing two or three fingers, and we just don't see it on film. You know, I did put in one of these what? conspiracy theory things. Like I'll look it up, but I'm pretty sure she's fingerless uh, on one of her hands. <laughs> We've gone from missing a finger <laughs> to now fingerless. Yeah, she's half a head. I think is actually a mermaid in real life. That's the only way she could pull off the movie Splashes if she is actually some sort of mermaid, because there's no way she can act in that character. 
But if you if you're talking about look, I'll be honest with you. If you talk about Splash as a seminal film, which I don't think it is at all, there are parallels between her and John Travolta. She does nothing after Roxanne, pretty much nothing, until she's picked up by Tarantino to star in Kill Bill, and everyone goes, "Oh look, there's Daryl Hannah from from that Mermaid film." John Travolta had exactly the same thing. If you go back and look at John Travolta's films from the eighties, my goodness, there is not a lot there to pick from. Um, so, which is why he probably won't feature much unless we do Staying Alive, um, which we won't. Um, but yeah. So yeah, she's she's missing her middle finger. So, uh, oh, so she can't. Finger got yeah. stuck as she was pulling on her grandmother's well, and then well, the rest well, is odd history. way to lose you. Could she not come <laughs> up with a better story than that? Oh no, I cut um, off in the well. Well, we're gonna have something better than that. That coyote was gonna gonna eat that child, and I saved it, and it tore my finger tore my finger off. But even with with that handicap, she's still a decent actress. When you think about it, that's why you should give her even more praise. Joe, Joe you've got three really blank faces when you say that. And you've what was it? A, a Quest for Fire. That's another one. She was in Quest for Fire. I don't huh? even. Do you know? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> that was about you know like early man. Yeah. Um, she's not that bad. She's guess. not she the didn't best. Have a speaking role in it. She's, she wasn't she, wearing much. Nah, there's Joe's. There's Joe's. So you guys did see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just hazarded a guess. <laughs> oh, while we're on the subject of t- talentless actresses, Sean Young. Who? She played her well. I, again, she just played a drunk wife. I thought she was fine in that. There's no there's no acting with <laughs> Sean Young. And you're going to say Blade Runner. That's not an example. No Way Two? Out with Kevin Costner. She's terrible in that. Ace Ventura, she's terrible in that blade <laughs> runner 2049 she's terrible in that do you know I, in fact wait a minute i'm going to pull out from my bag o trivia here <laughs> charlie sheen hated sean young that much on this set that originally sean young wanted to play the daryl hannah character and trying to convince oliver stone that she had that part and charlie sheen says i'm going to walk if that happens there's no way he he put on her when she was filming one day he sat. He, he put on a back without a knowing. I am a C U N T. He wrote it on a piece of paper and put it on a back. Well, she it just goes to show what type of person he is. is. No, it goes to show what type of person Sean Young is, because Sean oh, Sean no, Young, he, Sean Young has been sued by James Woods. She stalks. She stalks ex boyfriends. She sent him a disfigured doll in the post covered in blood, and we don't know where the blood came from. So let's not go down that. Let's go down that road. Do you think she had she anything to do with Sarah missing finger? Yeah. Well, th- there you go. Yeah, she had more fingers. As well. Yeah. Um, I have a funny Sean Young story. Oh, please! It, it, it doesn't involve her being in anything. So yeah, go. No. So so me and my friend were out at this bar. And we met a couple of girls, right? And uh, so my friend's like, he, his name was Todd, and he's like, let's get out of here. I don't want to be here. I says, why not? He goes, Wait a minute, it's like a fifties gangster again. Sorry. No, that's how he talked. Oh, okay. He sorry. Talked like Edward G. Robinson. Okay. You know? Sorry. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I won't interrupt. And he, you know, he says, I says, what's wrong with her? She's hot as can be. And he's like, her name's Sean. And I'm like, so? And he goes, girls aren't named Sean. And I was like, well, what about Sean Young? And he's like, who's he? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that yeah. was funny. Very good. And he said, who's he? 
Yeah, we get the gag. <laughs> um, okay, so moving on after the Sean Young story. Terrence Stamp. Joe. Kneel before Zod. Yes, so we've got the Superman 2 reference. We've got Modesty Blaze. He was also in Young Guns. Priscilla Quinn in the Desert. Oh, jeez. Uh, he played Jor-El in Smallville. I didn't know that. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and was also the ch- Chancellor in Star Wars Episode 1. Yep. So, yeah. Terry Best Stamp. part of Episode... Well, other than than Darth Maul. But Darth he was Maul. the only good actor in Episode 1. I've got, some tri- I've got some trivia about Terence Stamp. Uh, it, caught, it caught my eye that his father was a tugboat stoker, which I thought was a pretty good profession. Yeah, <laughs> tugboat stoker. That's going to be my pseudonym for my next uh, for the next pod that we do. Um, I, I just think he's had a brilliant life. He's like the epitome of the swinging 60s, isn't he? He was hanging around yeah. with all the Rolling Stones. I think he was Michael Caine's housemate. Um, you know, all the uh, nightclubs in... in London nearly got cast in Alfie, in fact, uh, but Michael Caine took that kind of career-defining role. And at mm. the age of um, 64, uh, he married a 29-year-old bride called Elizabeth O'Rourke, who he first met in a chemist shop in Bondi, New South Wales. She's of Australian, Indo-Singaporean parentage. I just thought, fair play, Terence Stamp has had a hell of a life. Yeah, lucky, <laughs> lucky bastard. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he's good. Or- yeah, and he's good in this. Or from the loins of a tugboat stoker. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's very good in this. I mean, he, he's kind of playing himself, essentially, though, isn't he? A suave, sophisticated, man-about-town Brit. But, um, yeah, well. He comes, up with, with movie, he comes up with one of the best lines. I could sell this stock now just to burn your ass. <laughs> I love that. That's a good impression. No, uh, I heard that. Plenty of times. I heard, like, in the 80s, he kind of just gave up on acting and became, like, a hippie. And I don't know if he went to India or something like that, but it was hard to locate him. And <laughs> his uh, manager or his agent contacted him and told him about Superman or his 70s, probably early 70s or mid 70s, and said that, you know, they were interested in him in playing the villain. Hmm. But yeah, yeah. No, he, he'd given up on acting and if it wasn't for Superman. That would have been it. Wow. Uh, to finish off roll call, James Spader, of course, Pretty in Pink, Lesson Zero, Mannequin, Sex Lies and Videotape, Bad Influence with Rob Lowe, Bob Roberts, Wolf with Jack Nicholson, which I rewatched, and that's really good. White Palace with Susan Sarandon, Secretary, the SM um, with Ma- Maggie Gyllenhaal, Ultron in the uh, Avengers films, and Robert California in The Office. Wasn't he in um... The Blacklist? Crash. Uh, yes, he was. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. If you pointed a gun to my head and I had to pick out James Spader from a lineup, I'd be dead. If you didn't pick out James Spader from that, I would pull the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm honestly, everyone else would have to be black. <laughs> I mean, that's the only way James, to be able to pick him out. Right. So when you watched Ultron, and and Ultron copies the mannerisms of James Spader, the head turns and all that sort of stuff that I, he does. Do you I not know what go... his face looks like? Oh, jeez. There's no point discussing this, Joe. He's in the same category as John Cusack, i.e. beyond reproach in Charles's uh, eyes. All this section's going to be edited out of the pod. Because, oh, yes. uh... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to AI you in where you go, yeah, yeah, everyone loves James Spader over here. <laughs> Generational talents that he yeah. is, yeah. 
I just have to feed a few lines in, Joe, and then I can copy. He was mobbed at Heathrow Airport when he... I, I thought he was English just because you liked him so much. And I'm like, he must be a good actor over in England. Because <laughs> I never heard uh, of the... I just, mean, I, I... Yeah, I mean, the only... The first time I heard of him was... Who was he in Pretty in Pink? He was uh, uh, Steph, Blaine's, Blaine's mate, the rich guy. Oh, I'd say he was the father. <laughs> I have no idea who he is. Good Lord. Anyway, right, just in case, we're not going to use AI, by the way, because AI is dangerous, so we're not going to do it. But if ever I say the words, Howard the Duck is a worth, you know, is a terrible film and should never be watched, then you know that AI is in play, because that's, I would never say that. Well, you speak for yourself, ChatGPT wrote most of my preparation for this pod, so uh, <laughs> woo, woo AI, that's what I say. Oh, God, I get your money back. Um, do you pay for chat? Yeah, you do, don't you? You have to pay for it. I never have to pay for it, mate. Oh, artificial no, intelligence no. or not, no. <laughs> you get artificial intelligence to write your way around the, the pay. Yeah, fine. Exactly. Right, let's get to the film. Wall Street it gets 79% critic score and 81% uh, um, viewer score on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's where we're sort of starting. We're not going to do scores yet, but we are going to go into the film. I think the film starts off well with the commute and showing the commute as part of it, showing New York in wonderful majesty. Uh, we watched it in 4K. Some of it was a bit shonky, if, I, if I'm honest. What word's that? Shonky. Yeah, I was going to say it's name. Made something up. No. Don, back me up here. <laughs> I think it is. I think it's largely made up. Is it a cross between wonky and shoddy? I don't yeah, know. Shonky. <laughs> shonky. Yeah, shonky. Okay. Yeah, I've heard of wonky. Right. Shonky. Shonky. There you go. See? Oh my God. See, you learn nothing else on this podcast and you just learn a new word. Wasn't he in the Shrek movies? Shonky. I've got to look it Shonky. 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 Um, so, part of me not having a clue about what they're talking about. How are those Septembers? I don't know. How about those Decembers? Joe, the hell are they on about? Those are options. They expire right. in September and in December. Right. So, like, you can buy, like, options. Like, you can buy calls and puts. Calls, you're hoping the stock will go up. Puts, you're hoping the stock will go down. But you don't buy the actual stock. You buy the option to buy the stock once it expires in Ooh. September or December. So, like, and someone that owns that stock, that owns, like, say, 100,000 shares of Andicott Steel, he has to forfeit that stock to you because he may have sold the the rights to it, but he also makes money. Cause I used to do that. Like I used to own Chrysler Corp and it never moved. So I used to always create like a, an option and they'd give me a hundred dollars and say like the stock was trading at 30 and I would say, create an option for, uh, they were called covered calls for $35 a share. So if the stock goes up to $35 a share, I have to forfeit that to the person. I still get $3,500 for 100 shares. But now, like, if the stock is trading at 55, I lose out of, like, that thousands and thousands, you know, a couple of thousands of dollars. And the person that has the option is profiting from it. Right. But also with an option, too, you're not... It, it's only, like, most of them are, are, like, if when he said 1,500 shares of Anacott Steel... That's actually, or 1,500, uh, not shares, uh, calls of Anacott Steel. That, that's also 
based on 10. So when he would exercise the option, he'd be buying 150,000 shares of it, but he'd only have to pay like maybe a couple of thousand dollars for it. So it's kind of cool, but it's scary. You know, the the one thing, it's legalized gambling is what it is. Hmm. And I've made a lot of money. I lost a lot of money in the stock market. And uh, like that guy, I always say the guy, Hal Holbrook's character, he would have never existed in real life because they would just fire his ass because he's just basically not pushing stock on people. He's pushing safe things. And really, most people don't want safe materials. It doesn't help profit the company, you know, and and he was just so calm and collected. Nah, doesn't exist. That's a fictional character for sure. Right. Okay. What did you what did you think to the I'm probably the worst person to ask uh, Amanda, but what do you think to start the film? Lord. Okay. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> you just need one word. <laughs> what, 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 what part of it, the first 40 minutes, obviously, you watch it in chunks. Um, did, did any part of it, that first 40 minutes, because that, that 40 minutes probably takes you up to, you know, to being recruited by, you know, having the thing with Gordon Gecko and I quoted it. I've got a line written here, but I can't remember who said it. Somebody's got to pay. Not going to be me. Not going to be me. That's the actor we hadn't. That's the way he says he decayed him. And it takes Martin Sheen to to get the audience to go, decay? I don't speak that language. What do you mean? I still don't know what it means. Oh, well, he says that it's it's don't know. I don't know the trade. DK. Yeah, but but like like the customer like back then again they didn't have records of who called or whatever so right I could have said mm-hmm. you know oh, buy me 100 shares of this stock and then the stock goes down and then you say well you know the stock is settled you owe me a couple of thousand dollars and then the you know the the client can say well I didn't authorize that trade so mm-hmm. he doesn't have to pay for it so the guy that has to pay for it is the guy that took the the sale you know who is Bud Fox, at, in that case. Wow. Okay. And you, know, or, or it could be like, you know, like if if you say I want to buy a stock and you say that I want to buy it at ten dollars and the stock goes up to twelve, and you buy it at twelve, and the customer knows about it, he could say I didn't know it went up to twelve. I agreed on ten, so you have to cover the spread. You know, from ten to twelve. That makes sense. All right. I can see Amanda I, Amanda glazing over again, going. Look, yeah. um, I, 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 I like the start of the film. For me, my trajectory of this film was started solidly and then started to tail off. But I think it's interesting you watched it in 40-minute chunks because one of my criticisms of the film is it is a bit formulaic, I thought. There's the first 40 minutes where he's up and coming, hungry man, outside looking in. Um, then the middle bit is he's made it and he's enjoying the trappings of success. And then there's the kind of comeuppance and the morality tale. And for me, the, the best part of the film was this early bit where... Yeah, you don't, well, Joe might be the exception, but the majority of people watching it don't understand the language and everything that's going on. But, you know, uh, Oliver Stone makes that compelling anyway, well, for for most of us. Um, I think there's some really witty lines in there. You know, there's a lot of memorable lines in this film, but there's there's a lot of throwaway lines that were, were really good as well. So I, um, if this guy owned a funeral parlor, nobody would die. You know, it's just stuff like that. It's entertaining. It's different. Is this the first time that Wall Street's been exposed to a mainstream cinema audience i think prob- probably um certainly the most successful film that did that and so you know 
I, I, I was with it. I was enjoying the ride. I was rooting for, for Bud Fox. He's not an entirely sympathetic character, but you kind of want him to, to succeed. And, um, mm. and then I think when Gordon Gecko starts to appear and he's on screen, then he's a really captivating presence. You know, the, the camera loves him. He's got, it, it, as we said earlier, I think he deserves the Oscar for that. So for me, it was a strong start. Mm. I think so. I think you've got all the camera work. The camera work's going all over the place. And the only time that the camera stays in one place is when he goes to see his dad. And Oliver Stone said, I did that because I wanted to show the turmoil of the world that he's in and the fast paced. And then when he gets his dad, that's the fixed camera. And so it's a bit more grounded in that way. So I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was true to life because, again, I experienced a lot of it. Like I used to work. I used to live in Staten Island. I would commute to Manhattan. And I love the opening where you see the skyline of Manhattan and you hear mm. Frank Sinatra's Fly Me to the Moon. Mm. I thought that was such a perfectly used song for that. Even though, I mean, lyrically, doesn't really mean anything, but just the rhythm of it, I, I thought yeah. it was very nice, like how it was executed. But I used to do all that stuff. I mean, I'd have to commute, get on a crowded train. It would take me like two hours to get to my office, which was insane. And it was all pressure. And like being a stockbroker was really, really tough. Like uh, you made a lot of money, but it just was all pressure. You had bosses like that, you know, that look over to see if you made your quota. And if you didn't, you would get your ass handed to you at the end of the day or the end of the month. And I had a friend like she had left and she went and became a stockbroker. And the first thing that they have you do is they have you code call, which these people were doing. They give you the yellow pages and you have to call all these people and they usually hang up on you. You know, it's like, you know, I'm so-and-so from, uh, you know, BYT firm. Uh, I have this great stock opportunity that I think that you really like and I can guarantee a certain percentage. And they usually hang up with you before you finish with your sentence. But when she went there, they would punish you. If they found that you weren't on your phone, they would just take your phone away from your desk. So you wouldn't, you only get paid, you know, by your commissions and, you know, how many calls you make. So she couldn't code call anymore, like where all oh, day wow. that's all you're supposed to do. So she just sat there and like everybody just looked at her you know but they would do that to everybody if they catch you and you're not on the phone making calls like so that's what you are that's what you start out with like the first couple of years you're just yes they give you yeah you they give you a phone okay. book and they say keep calling from a to z and then once you finish with z start all over with a again you know and it's a horror <laughs> i mean it's really Ooh. really not the nicest thing and, and like i had said i had mentioned too i did know a lot of people that were stockbrokers they made a lot of money made a ton of money they had hundred thousand dollar cars like three homes worth millions of dollars and they were happily married but at one point they just couldn't find happiness anymore it's like they didn't have that like where it's like yeah i have the house i have the family i have the the cars the boats and everything well, what else do I want? And they would get into drugs. And I know so many people that lost all of their fortunes just by getting into drugs because that was one of the few things that made them happy. And they'd spend 10 years in prison or they would start selling it themselves, thinking right. that like, I can make money better than a lot of these guys on the street because I know a lot of people. And, and it's just, it's, it's it doesn't happen to everybody, but it's a, it's a sad existence. 
And a lot of people say what you should do is get in early, make as much money as you can and retire early. Like try to retire by the time you're 30, 35, because you don't want that to be the rest of your life. I suppose it's the thrill as well, isn't it? The the highs that you get once you've kind of exhausted that, where, where do you go to get those highs? Yeah, that's, that's the whole thing. I mean, it, and it, like even what's going on now with this whole Titanic thing where there's like some passengers that paid $250,000 to go and see the Titanic and now they're stuck 13,000 uh, 13, feet underwater. Mm. It's because they have all this money. They don't know what to do. And it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll spend $250,000 to like, we would die if we had $250,000 and we would spend it on something useful. But a lot of times people, have so much money that they nothing really makes them happy and they, they just spend it on, on useless things. Mm. <clears throat> and it looks like that might have a sad end, unfortunately. If you look at well, the I don't know. I, I heard today that they've been hearing knocking. So yeah, they, they found out that that, was, that wasn't somebody knocking. It was just um, a regular pattern. It wasn't anything to do with that. Oh, okay. I heard. Um, I found out the definition of shonky. It is a word. Thank you. It, but not in not in the definition that you've used it. <laughs> okay. So shonky is Australian origin. Okay. It's uh, actually dishonest, unreliable, or illegal, especially in a devious way. Well, you know, just we repurpose it. Like the best things, we take it from Australia and repackage it and use it in a different way. My way's better. Anyway. Shoddy and wonky. Shod, shoddy and wonky. Yeah, it's weird. Um, Charlie Sheen. Um, his persistence pays off. I, I do yeah. like the shot where he's speaking to Natalie on the phone, the secretary, and you see the doors open and you just see a bit of Gordon Gecko and the doors close again. I think that's great because it's kind of like, we'll let you in a little bit. We'll just show you a little bit. But he will get his chance when, obviously, his computer does that does that uh, early or mid eighties computer sound do 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 do, and somebody tells him it's a uh, gecko's birthday. Takes the cigars in, gets his chance. What do we think about the first meeting? Would that I I I, I don't think that would have happened in real life. Yes, yes, it would have. Would it? Yeah. The gecko would have given him five minutes. By the way, tri- trivia fans, from the moment that Natalie goes, you've got five minutes to the moment the bud leaves is exactly on the nose five minutes. Sorry. Thanks. Oh, is it? I, I didn't realize yeah. that. Anyway, but... so why would that have happened? That that Natalie would have allowed him anywhere near gecko? I've contacted people like that, you know, like where I've been persistent. And like where I want to meet, I forget what they call them, but someone that's like the head of investment. Uh, I, I don't want to mention the stock too, but it, it wasn't insider trading, but he had a lot of information on the company that I, I bought a lot of shares in and I wanted to meet with him personally. And he represented a group and, you know, he usually wouldn't meet with people, but I was persistent with it. You know, okay. when it was his birthday, you know, I would say, well, happy birthday. And then finally we had lunch. And then he invited me to one of those meetings, like uh, with not necessarily a board of directors meeting, but it was similar like that where you had like this huge giant desk, you know, like where a round table where like 
rich people were just around and some were board of directors and they would bring in the products and show you like this was advanced thermoplastics which was supposed to be in jet planes tennis rackets like just lighter stronger the strongest steel but much lighter and so i invested a lot of money into it and we became friends me and this guy i got a lot of my friends to be part of it they he told me of contracts that they were in the making and it seemed like it was going to happen so it wasn't necessarily insider trading it was just optimism but the bottom line is like <laughs> that's what you told the judge yeah well no well the stock plummeted so oh, right, I, was, okay. I couldn't have gone to jail but uh there was a point where the stock was uh in between 75 cents and a dollar and i i had owned like about 10,000 shares and at some point it went up to three dollars you know so i wow. had made a lot of money but like gordon gecko says greed is good you know yeah. so instead of selling i bought some more you know and then it eventually went to 20 cents <laughs> oh dear <laughs> but that's what happens like with the uh, so i again i i felt so much of this was believable uh when i watched it because i i've seen it a lot anyway so getting getting the check from gordon to say you know put some of this and some of those bow wow stocks that that you know you're talking about um he gets his first perk which is uh lisa turns up at his house turns up at his apartment and invites him to come in just drive around um that's True. a good scene it's a good scene yeah. though yeah do we think was she hotter than daryl hannah uh yes debatable well yeah this is where you probably go where well, they both look a bit horse-faced mm. yeah then you glenn close you're chucking chucking everything in there thankfully um you know we, we can't do it because it's basic instinct and it's in the 90s but it, he will redeem himself eventually in your eyes where he does have a a, a co-star that's good looking in the form of sharon stone i think we can all agree sharon stone oh, i'll yeah. agree she's yeah. hot yes yeah. yes mm. still hot yes yeah yeah um so yeah, so he gets this is where Dom eloquently put it as the the sort of middle middle half, well the middle third. Um so what do we think about his transformation? Does he does he have it too quickly? I mean he gets that apartment for eight hundred and fifty thousand. I love the fact that he goes to eight hundred and fifty thousand and he offers cash. And you're like, that apartment now, thirty million? Yeah. Thirty five, something like that. You're just thinking that's not just inflation that's just the will gone mad but um i do like the interact i do like the interactivity that he has i did i did like the scenes with james spader i just think it's good because it's kind of like there's somebody that shouldn't be corruptible you know again he's a lawyer all right okay you know you can insert lawyer gag here but he's he's very cautious and he's like what's in it for me and you know how how, how can i do this but he's very concern that his reputation might get um go up the swally which it nearly does um in that sense i i, yeah. I, I thought it was a bit this is where some of my doubts started to emerge with the film so i thought the whole scene that michael douglas's party um were a bit were a bit dubious first of all there was that robot butler 
um, <laughs> which you know was less believable than the technology they used in Lost in Space in the 1940s. It was the one from Rocky Four. Four. Less... Yeah. Uh, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah was, that, it wasn't, was it? No, and it sounds. I, I could it, no, look, I worse. I could have had you. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so so that was a bit peculiar. And then Charlie Sheen has the world's most oddest pickup technique with Daryl Hannah, where he purposefully appears as ignorant as he can about modern <laughs> art, and then and then rubbishes all of her interior design choices, but she still falls for him, of course. And then Terence Stamp, who's presented as this suave, sophisticated British, you know, heavy hitter, starts negotiating with Michael Douglas, and Terence Stamp uh, he opens the negotiating at sixty-five. Douglas counters seventy-two. Terence Stamp goes to. 71. <laughs> what sort of negotiating technique is that? <laughs> that that, that must be that. why he's so rich. Yeah. So, yeah, I just thought, that, I just thought mm, it's all a bit bit bobbins, really. And, and, the, and the way that Charlie Sheen goes from kind of grey areas to dubious to blatantly illegal, you know, that, mm. that, that's a fairly breathtaking spe- at speed, I think, you know. Mm. Whiplash from, the, um, from that transition that he goes through, I thought. Again, I found all that believable, even the stock price that he said, because I think that he did mention that they valued it at like $90 a share, you know, or I don't know if it was Bud Fox that that had said it, uh, but they did have some information where the deals that they were going to make would be Anacott Steel or whatever would be $90 a share. Now, that wasn't guaranteed, and that's why he said 72, and then he said 71. So he knew that it was going to be higher. He just wanted to get the stock. He said, just give it to me. All I want to do is just save like $1 on probably like millions of dollars to be saving. I know I'm not, I just want to get the hell out of this house. Uh, you know, he, he wanted the company. He wanted right. to buy it. That That's what I felt. You, you make a good case, but surely there's one thing on which we can all agree. And that is that the child actor that appears as Michael Douglas's son is the most ugly child that I think has existed in cinema. That, that's so Oliver, that's like, Oliver Stone's kid. In real life? Really? Yeah. Wow. Because wow. He, start, yeah. he starts off by picking his nose, and then he's like licking where the snot is, and then it's all downhill from there, really. I thought, yeah. The, the, well, that's that sad. Does, does explain what earth. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, the the idea I got from him is that he's a spoiled kid, yeah. that he, he wants something to eat, that constantly feeding him. That's why he's a fat little pig, you know? And oh, to know that Sean that was... Young's not a mom. Sean, Sean Young is basically, can you dress him in that little cute outfit after a bath and all this sort of stuff? She, she's not a mom. She's barely... No, she's, she's not. drunk all the time. And, and the maids and the babysitters are basically slaves. She's just rich. All she does, yeah, like you said, she drinks champagne all day, probably does some cocaine, and then she goes shopping all day. But she doesn't want to have anything to do with her, her son. She goes, well, you, you, know, you wipe his ass. I'm not touching that butt because <laughs> that's not my, you know, I'm worth so much more. I'm, I'm above my own child. But that kid was, you're right, he was damn ugly. And to know that that was Oliver Stone's kid, yeah, that's wrong. He well, should have never put that kid in there. You're so mean. It's it. Well, or Charlie, me or Charlie? Both of you. Well, look, if it's any consolation, I've just Googled him as an adult and he, he scrubs up all right. He's not. That's uh, good. The, you know, I thought the way he was going, they might keep him in an attic and fish, feed him on fish heads, but, you know, he's uh, he's <laughs> not like a normal civilized member of society. So. Sean well, Young, Sean Young's acting when the doorbell goes, oh, the door. And you're like, he was drunk. No, but she can't even play drunk well. She's like, right, we we talk about the worst British accents of all time, which I think you and I agree, Joe, is Don Cheadle in Ocean's Eleven. I don't think there's anything <laughs> worse than that. 
the worst drunk ever committed to film, and I'm sorry to go a bit nerdy on this point, is Deanna Troy, Marina Sirtis, in Star Trek First Contact, where she's at the bar. That is the worst acting I I might have ever seen. I, I, and, and in this case, Sean Young goes, hold my beer, <laughs> or, or hold my champagne. And she is, there's just nothing. If I was Charlie Sheen, I would have continually put that sign on her back. I know it sounds awful, but... I think she's hot, too. Oh, God, Joe, no. I'd have What's trouble between on? her and Daryl Hannah. I really would. But oh. I'd probably choose Daryl Hannah. Oh, low bar. No low bar. Very high bar. Mm-mm. I'd choose Natalie, the secretary, over, over those two. She looked like she had something. Oh. She was David Burton's wife, by the way. From Talking oh, really? Heads. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. There we go. Slip, slip in little bits of trivia here and there. All right, come on, we move. Anyway, on. tell our paper the speech. Greed is good. Good speech. It's a defining speech. I, I still, I never understand why he broke up the company. He didn't have to, you know, other than to show his arrogance that I just want to make more money than I have to, because he had to know that that was going to affect his relationship with uh, Bud Fox. Oh, right. Okay. So we're moving to Blue Star. Right, oh, that's okay. what I thought you meant. No, no, you know, they the tell the shareholders good. meeting with the greed is good. That, that, yeah. that, that's a speech. We could actually move this along. I would actually like to say before we move to the la- the, the 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 third third, the third um, act, the, the third act, um, Daryl Hannah comes in and renovates his place and absolutely awful. I don't even I know agree. if that was good for the eighties. I have no idea. I, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think anybody would have wanted that in their apartment in the eighties. It was horrendous. What was that painting? Oh my god! The one with yeah. the. Yeah, oh, like it looks oh. like a mixture between a monkey. Um, it's a, a horrendous. You wouldn't want that looking at you. And what was that? <laughs> what was that glass table about that had no glass in it? Uh, no, yes. it was awful. But but yeah. the whole thing is is Charlie Sheen wanted to have sex with her. And when Dom, when you had mentioned, you know, why would uh, you know? Because the his conversation with uh, Daryl Hannah's character, you know, why would she still finding him interesting? Because yeah, she wanted to have sex with him. Because he was he was attractive. She was attractive. Maybe not to you guys particularly, but in my eighties eyes, she was very attractive. I wish she would have had a fishtail. That would have made the movie so much more better for me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, they have they have eighty sex by the way in the film. They have Top Gun sex, silhouetted. No. Blow, can, blowing can, 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 can I just go back to the, the mermaid sex reference though please because if you were actually going to sleep with oh, a mermaid God. yeah, would you want the top half to be a fish or the bottom half because <laughs> to be honest there are pros and cons I think really I'm not sure this has been considered carefully enough Do we, we, we've we discussed this Don't you, oh no definitely the bottom you, half uh, well, no the, that is sorry go ahead you, rub the tail it, they turn into legs what <laughs> even if she just was half fish something. Now, I'm more of a leg guy myself. You know, I probably would have liked, but it would have looked weird. If so you would have had the legs was... and you would have been staring at a fish. I mean, as long as her head was <laughs> that's, human. That's good. <laughs> you know? No, you can't. No, no. You've got to have one or the other. So kill, my answer would be the top half female and the bottom half tail. Where, where would you? Uh, oh, God. I'd, you... I'd oh, find well. it. Well, I'd find it. It has what? to be something there. There are, other, there are other avenues to explore, should we say. Where's the hole? Oh. It, I'm sure it's there. You probably have to look for it. It's you have to have to pull it down a little bit. You, you, well, 
without demeaning the podcast, you're speaking out of one. So, you know, at least in my scenario, you've got one. In yours, what? you've got two, oh, but a fish Anyway. I, I think they need to remake Splash in 2024 <laughs> with where the top half is a fish, and we'll see where that goes. Yeah. They so, are redoing Splash, which kills me, but they're having... Um, Chanum Tatum is playing the mermaid this oh, time. God. There's there's sex swapping it. <laughs> I'm oh, definitely making that spin off podcast and it's gonna be called Leave My Stuff Alone. Leave the eighties alone. Just just leave it alone. Get your own No, that's what I'm gonna call it. Get your own SH. I fear change. That's that's snappy. No, <laughs> just because you like fatal attraction, the TV series. I mean Right. Guys. Can I just say something as well? Um, this massive apartment that he bought, why is it that they're in a very tiny kitchen in his massive apartment? Mm. Should get more for 850 grand. It's tiny. That's like shimmy along like the galley kitchen. You're like, surely (laughs) if you've got that much money. It's like a kitchen kitchen on a train. Yeah. It's very shonky. It's it. Well, look look at that catching on. If nothing else from this podcast, Shonky, can I just point out something? Very minor annoyance. They're making sushi. She's making pasta. They're making all of this sort of stuff. Why? Why does he go into the fridge, take out the ice cream and put it in the microwave? Are you going to have ice cream for starter by any chance? <laughs> or are you just going to let it defrost while you eat your sushi? Or in this case, let's just look at the food because it's like a work of art. Look, 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 we, we need to move on from the continuity errors to the uh, descent into soap opera territory as we get the redemption arc, don't we? And um, yes, honestly, so Blue Star Airlines. So yes, Gordon Gecko is going to buy it. It's going to transform it. It's going to do this. Bud Fox is going to be part of it. Great, wonderful. He then goes to see James Spader, and James Spader goes, oh, I'm getting all this stuff from Stopwatch. Anyway, do you want to come to this super secret meeting with me? Because they're they're talking about your airline. Yes, like that would happen. Um, And he gets sat in there and basically gets told, yeah, it's all going to be broken up. That's where he goes to Terrence Stamp, just to set the scene. Goes to Terrence Stamp. Wait, that was James Spader? That's James Spader, yes. Oh. See, see, you said you wouldn't recognise him. I still don't recognise him. It's pretty lazy filmmaking just to kind of completely unravel the previous two thirds of the film just by being in this meeting where it's all, you know, exp- a load of exposition which explains exactly what's going on and and, it, and then his kind of entire persona changes 180 degrees. Pr- pretty, pretty lazy. I mean, it is focused that he's got to get, he's got to do this for his dad who's had the heart attack as well. Uh, the bit where Manda started guffawing like Donkey in Shrek. Um, because for God knows why, because I had my back to her, I was like to the side, and I was like, "She's not crying. That's not crying. She's going." <laughs> yes, you found that particular scene funny, didn't you, sweetheart? Mm. Yes. Um, bad actors. The union guy. We know what you're doing, Gecko, and you. You know what? Come straight from here. You go straight to hell. Go on, Joe. That's got to be your territory for your 50s gangster. Hey, see, we ain't going to get the support of the union, see? We know what you're doing, Gecko. Well, they would have gotten paid a lot, though. He's Um, he's a terrible... I don't know who he is. I didn't even look him up. But he was awful. He was awful in the meeting that they had with the putting the 
plates through non-existent glass. He was awful. He's awful in every scene he was in. Again, it's just it's very real, though, because the problem that a lot of companies have, yeah, they do have union leaders and they're elected, but they get paid a lot and they get paid under the table, too. So, like, if they're going to break up the company, like, Gecko's going to silence them by giving them a lot of money and Ooh. just having them tell their people, well, this has to happen. You know, it's unfortunate, but this has to be the way. It, I, I, again, it, it's it's a great movie. And you know what I, I wanted to say, too, which I thought was fascinating, is when Bud Fox first starts out and he meets Gordon Gecko, he is very clean. And he keeps saying, he goes, well, that would be insider trading and we can't do that, yeah. you know. And Gecko kind of likes it off because well, everybody does it, you know. And it's but well, he has that bit in the film where he goes out in the balcony and he goes, "Who am I?" You have to appreciate. You have to appreciate Gordon Gecko for who he is. Like even though he's a villain, it's you know he knows what he wants. He knows that it's wrong, but he knows that it's important for him to be profitable. And you know he. Like he doesn't distinguish between good and bad. That's why he's such a good villain. I I, I really enjoy him as a character. Ooh. I've never seen the sequel, which I won't talk about now. But I don't know. I I just think it's something like that does happen all the time, where they call it a white knight will come and try to save a a business or a corporation, and then they'll a few months later they'll just sell it. It, it kind of happened with Marvel, if you remember. Like Marvel, Marvel in the beginning, when it first went public, it was so popular. Everybody wanted the stock. It went really high, like in the first couple of days of trading. And for a while, it was doing good. It was in a lot of mutual funds. And then all of a sudden, it got mismanaged and they had to break up the company and they started selling the movie rights to all the different Marvel films, to all these major studios. Mm. And it was just sad. They were filing for bankruptcy. And, and that's what happens a lot. And it, and it is, it's it's kind of like when you watch the movie, you do get an education on how business works and how the stock market works. Mm. And I, I love it. I, sorry. Yeah. Well, we'll get towards it. I mean, what what happens in the end, obviously, with Terrence, Terrence Stamp, it gets Terrence Stamp, he forces the stock down, Terrence Stamp buys it, ends up buying Blue Star Airlines. You say you didn't watch the sequel, Joe, but there's a scene where, he bumps Michael Douglas's character, well, Gordon Gecko bumps into Bud Fox at a party. Um, as they're obviously older now. Um, and which you find out that that Bud Fox became the CEO of Blue Star Airlines, turned it around into the second biggest private jet firm in the country, and then sold it. And there's this mutual respect between the two, despite the fact that the last time that they would have met is in the courtroom. Um obviously with where Charlie Sheen was wearing the uh, wearing the bug, wearing the wire, and captured all of that. I'll tell you what, what made me lose some respect for Charlie Sheen's character when he starts crying his eyes out like a toddler when he gets arrested. That you know, what mm. they're trying to do with the character there, he just bursts into mm. tears. Um, yeah. Man up, that's what I say. Yeah. He'd definitely. be in a very cushy prison though, too. It's not like uh he'd have to worried about getting raped or anything like that i'm sure he would have been in a very nice prison um so i didn't well, have too much sympathy for the and then to learn that he became the ceo of was it blue sky airlines blue star, yeah blue star. yeah okay yeah absolutely so it worked i out. did not i found it very hard to believe that gordon did not suspect that bud had a wire on him when they met in central park 
you know, by yeah, themselves. Yeah, because he started listing all these companies, and I'm like, you wouldn't have done yeah. that in real life. Um, he never really trusted Bud, because as soon as Bud went, are you with me? I need to know if you're with me. And he does. He gets straight on the blower, and he's like, oh, yeah, we need to make sure that, the you know, this thing is watertight. So he's tr- he's trying to do his best, even though he's trying to tell Bud another thing. I think the downfall of Golden Gecko, as you say, was the intention of that, is to show that greed isn't good, but it had the complete opposite effect. I think probably for time's sake, let's get to the scores. Okay. Um, I'll go first, because we all know. Um, again, seminal, exactly what I said at the start, even though we talked through it and probably haven't gone into the plot as much, but I think it's I think it's good having that insight from you, Joe, on this. So it's certainly... I certainly could have done with you back then to to make sense of it all uh, when I first watched it. But at the same time, I was mesmerised. For me, it has to be a 9 out of 10 for me. A 9? Yeah, for me. Uh, Dom? Yeah, so I think the movie starts well. It has a great central character and um, lots of interesting and amusing and entertaining lines. But I think it is undermined by some dodgy acting performances and I think uh, some of the characters are pretty cliched and I found the kind of second half of the movie pretty formulaic and predictable so split split my vote and I'll sit on the fence a little bit I'm giving it a five and a half out of ten okay Joe Uh, uh, Blue Horseshoe loves Wall Street (laughs) (laughs) very good very good so I'm gonna go with Charlie's score of nine Uh, I think it's a great great american film that again it shows you how the business world works it's very true to life and greed is good and it's corruptible but that is life too sometimes you have to if you want to make money you know you you can't always be 100 percent honest sometimes and here we go brace for impact listeners or viewers this ain't gonna be this ain't gonna be pretty Apart from a few sort of scenes that were okay, <laughs> I just what, didn't. What a great review. <laughs> I just didn't enjoy the movie. I just didn't feel any connection with it. Um, I wanted to. I desperately wanted to, but it just didn't do anything for me. I'm afraid, and I'm really sad to say that because I really did want to enjoy the movie. Could you not take it and look at a one performance and go, that was really strong performance, even though I didn't like the stuff around it? Yeah, you know, some memorable moments with Gordon Gecko, uh, his character. Hmm. But yeah, so wow. I'm, I'm I'm really sorry, but I'm I'm only giving it a four. Oh God, I, I, I genuinely, genuinely thought we were going to two. I thought so too. Yeah, I thought that's where we're heading. Well, it's pretty four. high, actually, yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. You're only one and a half off Dom, and he kind of liked it. Well, before before we wrap up for our listeners, I, I, I like business and finance films. It's a underappreciated, very niche <laughs> genre, but um, I guess Money Moneyball might be an example of kind of that, that side of things. But there's a film called Margin Call, which if you haven't seen it, I can really recommend. Not an 80s film, um, and a film about Enron, The Smartest Guys in the Room, also really really worth watching as well okay you know, perhaps you'd uh, particularly appreciate it but yeah so it's an underrated genre and, I, and i'm disappointed to only be giving it a five and a half from my side mm. well, well anyway it's that time um i think we've done all the trivia so it's the hat it's the hat sorting hat do we call it that 
Yeah. Can I get a right. Gryffindor joke out of this for the third week of the trot? Not possibly. By all not. means. Oh, um, okay. Right. Okay. I think you just have. Right. There's only four in there because poor old Dom hasn't had his film picked yet. So all four of these are Doms. Okay. Um, well, so that it will be you next. Okay. All right. There is one film that I'm desperate for to come out, and I hope I pick it. You know, this is a good idea. I think it should be like where the hat is just of four people and we rotate, you know, like okay. four films by one person. So it'd be All fair right. that way. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay. I'm happy with that. Oh, please be the film, I think. All right, here we go. Suspense. Legend. Oh, I didn't know you picked that. I do I, spoilers, that? I love that movie. Well, I tried to pick films which would um, provide some debate. You know, they're not kind of stone cold classics. They're not turkeys. So I thought well, there'd be some middle ground for discussion. So that's why I. Um, what is it? Well, there you go. You're in for a treat if you've not. Well, potentially in for a treat if you've not seen it before. So yeah, classic eighties stalwart legend. Okay, can I make it? I haven't seen this. You've not seen, seen it. it. No, oh my Lord. God. no. So I did want to say there's two different versions. There's an international virgin, a virgin, virgin, <laughs> like a like an international virgin, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's an international version, and there's the uh, theatrical one that was played in the United States. Okay, I, I recommend the theatrical one. The theatrical one, it, the big difference is the score. The score was done by Tangerine Dream that did the music for Risky Business, ah. and and it's more fantasy like. It's very memorable, and okay. the international one I I I think was done by I, I forget his name. Um, it could have been the guy that did the Rambo movies, um, but it, it's more th- like epic. Okay. I love both versions. I, I've watched both versions, but I think you'd appreciate the music more. It's more eighty-ish, uh, you know. But it's up to you. You guys can. Watch well, it's just going to be more Conan the Barbarian and, and less uh, Willow. Oh God! Uh, let, let's just let's just settle on the same version, whichever one we go for. So we're all having the same. Okay, the, theatrical uh, then. Yeah, do we agree? Okay, that's what we watch. Yeah, theatrical version, right? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'll. I'll and then, sort... if you like it, watch the international one afterwards. What the same film with a different score? Yeah. <laughs> if you really like it, <laughs> not, and it's possible. Right okay. Well, yeah. Dude, you, you. Well, you know who's in it, right? Charlie Cruz, Mia Sarah, Yeah. She is so hot in that movie. Oh, Good lord! Might watch it tonight. Joe, Tim Curry, Tim Curry. Oh, of dude, course, yeah, yeah, dude, you're gonna give it. So we've got Tom I, Cruise. I, we've got Tom Cruise, Mia Sarah, and Tim Curry. Regardless of what you think of the movie, I think Charlie is gonna give it at least an eight for her, especially in the outfit that she wears <laughs> when she's in hell. Good lord! Oh, God, wait a minute. Can I? Am I okay to YouTube bits before I see it? Just to get some context. No, no, but let's not bore our listeners with scheduling. But true to form, I've got some scheduling challenges for this next one, so uh, we'll just uh, okay. We'll, just leave, we'll leave the admin to uh, the post. Yeah, we'll, we'll do the we'll do the admin in a moment. Anyway, uh, thank you, dear listeners. You know where if you're listening, you know where to to find us. But do get in contact. We'd love to just send us a, a message, you know, something on Messenger, even if it's a film that you want us to cover. We might, do, you know, if we get enough, and you know, we get some people that are contacting us and. We might put those into a hat and then draw it out, and your film could get picked as, so as a kind a of lucky dip. Lucky suspenders. Dip. That's what we want, listeners. Suspender <laughs> picks. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, try to win wear suspenders for a year and see what happens. Yeah, then send, <laughs> then, send, then send them through the post. No, 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 I've got. So you have far. to be a guy. <laughs> We're born a guy. <laughs> oh, right. Um, anyway, on that note, I'm going to say cheerio. Bye. See you. See you. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Toodle pip. Bye.